Hello, thank you for tuning in. You are listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. For network or show information, visit byteradio.me or call 843-808-0777. And now, the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Good day, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth show. Today, my special guests are Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene Borgens, and we will be talking about their new book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. Do Unto Earth is a conversation for the purpose of healing planet Earth through thought-provoking questions posed by the author, Penelope Jean Hayes, and answers from the divine spirit source, self-identified as Pax, and channeled by intuitive Carol Serene Borgens, Do Unto Earth speaks plainly to the damage mankind has done to the planet, both physically and energetically, and how we can fix it. For, for book information, you can visit paxwisdom.com. That's P-A-X wisdom.com. Carol Serene Borgens has been channeling spirit for wisdom seekers since the early 90s. Uh, for more information about Carol, you can visit her website, which is carolsereneborgens.com. And Penelope Jean Hayes is a new conscious author, television contributor, and speaker on topics that include social interaction, contagious energy, purpose, pursuit, and self-help industry. And you can find out more about her by visiting her website, which is PenelopeJeanHayes.com. So welcome, Penelope and Carol. Thank you for joining you. me today. Hi, Robert. Well, um I'd love to, um, if you wouldn't mind, we would start with um, maybe you can share with the listeners um, a little bit about yourself. Uh, so we'll start with Penelope. Um, I understand that you do work with um, viral analogy. <laughs> so can you tell yes. us um, a little bit about your work and what that's all about? Yes, of course. So the word viral analogy is derived from the words viral energy. And viral energy is the contagious nature of energy in social interaction and the environments all around us. So to put it in simple terms, something that all of us can relate to, you would say that a smile is infectious and laughter is contagious. And of course, we know those are the light energies and the heavy energies are contagious as well. And those things we're all feeling right now in this the coronavirus pandemic era and this heavy political environment in the United States, we can all feel that sense of contagious heavy energy. So that's basically what viral energy is. And viral analogy is a scientific study, which is a merging of metaphysics and traditional science to study those things, to study viral energy and its implications in our personal interactions, our interpersonal communication, as well as planetary wellness. Wow. Yeah, well, those two examples um, of um, smiles and laughter, are, I think most people can identify to that quickly. Um, and, you know, and maybe not as um, obvious, but certainly as impactful are those dark energies that you talked about. Boy, it's 
kind of crazy. Um, so what, what is your, um, Penelope, what is your, I guess you would say, spiritual background to you? Or Yes, I was raised Catholic, but at a young age, around 15 years old, I went through a terrible time in my life, as a lot of people do as teenagers. I actually left my family home and was a runaway at 15 years old. And on my way out of one of, one of the times that I was kind of in and out of my parents' home, and one of the times I was on my way out, um, aside from packing up a big black garbage bag full of my clothes and belongings, I also went into my dad's library and pulled a couple of his books, and they were Dr. Deepak Chopra and the like, um, spiritual books. And so while I was raised Catholic, all of a sudden I was reading this stuff and opening my mind to a spirituality that was, I would say, bigger than what I had been raised with in traditional religion. So my journey did start at a young age, and I just became an inquisitive mind. I, I really do describe myself as a seeker, and so that went into many years of being a seeker, and that's, that's, never, that's never stopped. So my career trajectory was first in public relations, and that merged into an on-camera television career as a journalist and as an expert contributor, and then um, decided that I wanted to have my career and my spirituality be one path, one thing, and therefore dove back into writing. So as a journalist, writing, and I opened the Viral Energy Institute, which is an institute for studying all things viral energy and metaphysical. So absolutely a spiritual journey. Wow. Yeah, very much. So Carol, um, you know, you have the gift of channeling. So um, can you tell us about your um, background and, and, you know, how and when did you discover that, that gift? Yes, certainly. I, um, came into this world as an old soul and uh, a spiritual being having a human experience and trying to um, touch everywhere and learn everything I could. I have, like Penelope, uh, grew up in a religious family. Um, the doctrines with which I didn't believe um, as an early age, but really couldn't say anything about it to parents, so just uh, was quiet about that, but investigated other spiritualities which resonated um, better with me. I have been working as a medium. I am, as you say, an intuitive. I work as a channeler. I've been channeling PAC since the early 1900s, doing, or 1900s, sorry, 1990s, doing <laughs> readings. Yeah, not that old. It probably feels like that. <laughs> yeah, doing, like doing that. Per, personal readings for people, <laughs> as well as channeling packs for, for other books that I have done with him, um, uh, children's books um, at the beginning. I have uh, been practicing things like past life regression for people, uh, doing psychometry, and also spent a lot of time as an animal communicator. Not that I enjoyed speaking with the cats, um, more so the dogs, but I was okay. uh, focusing on horses, specifically uh, performance horses that had emotional baggage and so wow. weren't performing well, and I was... Um, called to communicate with them, particularly some very dangerous horses. 
um, to find out what was the the source of their um, problems to help them work through those. And um, I'll share with you something fascinating I learned from one of the horses. He referred to a, a past lifetime that he had had. I had no idea. This was a retired racehorse <laughs> who, who was becoming very dangerous. Um, so um, I, I think that even as a child, I was experiencing uh, what had been uh, some of my past lifetimes, and they showed up in in my in my play and the the messages I was receiving and the calls I was getting from spirit that I didn't recognize at the time. So it's been a journey. Um, uh, it's a journey to joy, and I never did know what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, and <laughs> Meeting Pat. You mean this wasn't on your list. That wasn't no, on your list. You mean? <laughs> not on my list. Not on my radar. Uh, truly, yeah. but having uh, met Pax as I did, it became clear, and it is yeah. uh, my great blessing, my greatest blessing, in my life. And uh, so. Uh, we are here today to to talk about what Pax brings to both of our lives um, and our work. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's see. How about now? You two obviously have, I mean, such unique um, energies. How, uh, Penelope? How did the two of you initially meet? I went to Carol for some channeling sessions, so readings, and you would refer to that as a, you know, a psychic reading, if you will. And Carol lives in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I live at the southern tip of Florida in Naples. And so you couldn't be further apart geographically, <laughs> and yet we were kind of connected through someone else, and that part of the story I don't think is as important, but someone had referred me to Carol. And then I had some channeling sessions with her, and I was asking questions of Pax about my next book, which at that time was intended to be titled Do Unto Earth. And I had the skeleton of what that would be about, environmental healing, but I really didn't know where the information would come from. I just made an assumption that it would be a journalistic approach of finding out information, Mm -hmm. but I did want it to be something different because there are a lot of books about the environment. So we don't need another book just telling us what those environmental issues are. So the intention was set. And then, lo and behold, I get a contact from Carol saying that Pax wanted to lend his wisdom and guidance to what I was working on, which was twofold, the Viral Energy Institute, and um, this work, this environmental healing work. So we got started. And within a very short period of time, I would say a a week or two weeks, Carol and I said to each other, this actually seems like not just lending support to the Viral Energy Institute, but this seems like a book. And was this the book titled Do Unto Earth? Was this meant to be, you know, where the source of information would come from from this book? Is this what it was? Mm -hmm. And the answer came back from Pax that indeed it was. Wow. Wow. That, that's <laughs> it quite, was quite an unfolding. <laughs> yeah, quite an unfolding too, Robert, because it's a large book of 450-some pages, and yet it was written in lightning speed. I believe that the first go-through might have been uh, eight weeks, something like that, to write a book of this size. Like This is one of the larger 
books, you hold this book, you want to just hold it to your chest and just hug it. It's beautiful in every way. Just a, a beautiful, beautiful book from cover to every page in between. And from the first page reads like a movie. It's just one of those books that you cherish. And we can say that with perfect confidence because, you know, while I pose questions, the information is from this divine wisdom source. And it's just this beautiful book, but it gets written so fast because of the channeling, you know, the, the way the process is with channeling. So as questions would come, I would send them to Carol and she would channel and send back the answers from PAX. And so it came together very rapidly. And then there was a period of time uh, that, you know, like any book, it goes through editing. And then I also recorded the audio book and then all went to publish simultaneously audio book paperback as well as Kindle version. And even that, the entire process may have been, I'm kind of picking a number, but let's say eight months or less to go from, you know, nothing to a published (laughs) book of this size. Yes, like that. That That's amazing. Yeah, And, and I must say, the topics covered are far reaching. I don't think you could have picked any just like that uh, that Naples to Vancouver distance, you know, <laughs> magnify that on a galactic scale and that's kind of what you have with the, the topics in the Right. Book. Um, and for your yeah, listeners to really understand what that is, all the topics in Do Unto Earth are related to the environment, believe it or not. So we get into you know, aliens what happened at Roswell in 1947. Um, Indeed, there was a crash, and there was a survivor um, of that crash. We get into how the Great Pyramids were built, um, mysteries of this Earth, such as what's going on in the Bermuda Triangle, what are these anomalies, Um, Stonehenge, how are the stones of Stonehenge moved, in fact, what's underneath Stonehenge. So a lot of things that are of human curiosities also tie into this book, and as we go along in this journey of the book, we realize that all of these things are actually connected to and relevant to our environmental healing. It's just it's a, wow. it's an amazing mm-hmm. and fascinating. Uh, we do talk often, people in general talk about the interconnectedness of everything, and this book exemplifies that from cover to cover. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, um, I understand there was some information about Amelia Earhart. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Can you share share what that is? Because I have um, a friend, a raw guest, and who's now been a friend on Facebook. Her name is Roberta Bassett. And she's an mm-hmm. actress, and she wrote and starred in a play Amelia, about Amelia Earhart. So she just, oh, I mean, she nice? is like, Amelia Earhart is in her blood. <laughs> so oh, I, I bet. Just, Maybe I mean, more so than she that, knows. Yeah, yeah I was so well, to so Rebecca anyway. and everyone else, we were talking um, in the book um, about the Bermuda Triangle. And the Bermuda Triangle, according to Pax, there is beneath the beneath the water, subterranean, and also beneath the, the land at the bottom of the sea flood sea floor is a alien cha- a charging station, so an alien craft, an ET craft charging station. And there are minerals there that derive from their home planet. They're not indigenous to Earth. And those minerals were brought, and they are part of how they charge 
or did at one time use this base. It's not, um, it's not occupied at the moment. And they would charge their vehicles this way. And so this is what is throwing off all of the um, equipment, all of the GPS-type devices, and um, causing these magnetic anomalies. So one thing led to the next as we're discussing, and I said, what about Amelia Earhart? She went missing <laughs> in about that kind of area of airspace of the Bermuda Triangle. And, you know, it's been one of our longstanding mysteries, what happened to her and her aircraft and her, she actually had a co-pilot, a passenger. And so the answer came back from PAX that a portal opened up of, you know, adventure and excitement is how she, you know, saw this portal and this portal you would think a wormhole maybe um, different descriptions like that opened up and instead of being afraid of it she saw it as an adventure as excitement as she approached everything in her life and she just chose to intended to and made the choice to fly right into that portal and it did indeed take her to a different time space reality and that, according to Pax, is what happened to Amelia Earhart. So it was a happy story for her and one that she chose. Wow. I, wow. I wonder if her navigator <laughs> chose it as well. Since she you know, was I've often the plane. wondered that too, Carol. <laughs> the guy well, there might have so. been saying, I don't know about this. <laughs> well, let's just, let's just hope he was just as adventurous. Yeah, I would think to be a, to be a co-pilot, uh, you know, kind of uh, take on that uh, assumption, you know, that, that I'm sure that high level of adventure. So, um, so Carol, PAX, now you, you've been – channeling packs for a while can you tell us to the best of your knowledge who is Pax, or, or tell us describe the Pax energy the Pax energy um i always referred to first of all i refer to Pax as he or him uh, Pax is not an individual he is really um a universal wisdom energy source uh, divine wisdom, if you will, collected consciousness. Um, and it, when you hear me refer to him as he, it's just the way I communicate with him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that energy, that wisdom uh, that Pax shares with us, he has always told us everyone has the ability to reach into themselves, um, to connect with their own higher wisdom and self and tap into this kind of energy. He's states it as my wisdom is there for the enlightened anyone can access it Um, people have the gift Uh, most people don't have the belief that they have the gift or the time to to work on establishing it and growing it Um, it came through me as it still does in the form of automatic writing that wisdom um, come, bypasses my conscious mind and comes through in my hand in the form of the guide's writing style uh, and or uh, laterally um, to speed a process such as book writing, I'm able to channel directly at the keyboard. Um, it doesn't change anything. It just speeds the process. So the wisdom and the guidance is um, unchanged over all these years. The readers will find that Pax has a um, 
a serious spiritual nature and yet also a playfulness and a good sense of humor which is evidenced in some of the words and phrases that he uses when he's speaking to us. Um, so uh, that is that is my um, take on who I'm channeling. And by the way, I don't channel anyone else. Uh, I have not since Pax introduced himself in the early 90s. I I take precautions that that's the way it is. Yeah, you're exclusive. <laughs> uh, we are in a relationship. <laughs> it is exclusive. You're going to have to update your Facebook profile in a relationship. <laughs> you know, this way there's no deviation. There's no surprises. Well, yeah. um, there is well, a complete trust and understanding. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 trust and, and is just is very important. And, and you know the idea, um, you know that uh, you at least Pax has that channel, has you as the channel to be able to to get the information out, and it can, and it will get to those who who need it. You know, and um, so yeah. So now. One of the things that is probably on everyone's mind, and I'm sure, I believe you have asked Pax, um, what is it with this COVID? <laughs> so, I mean, this is kind of like what's on everybody's mind. So I kind of wanted to get that out of the way uh, up front. Sure. Sure. So um, it, I, I also always find it very important for people to have trust in this information source to kind of know really who this information source is. And in addition to what Carol said, and she has this ability to, you know, feel PACs as well. So there's a, un, uh, some things don't need to be said between the two of them. When I came along and started asking questions, I wanted to know more about who he was. And the answer was, and I'm just going to give you half of the quote here to keep it simple, but um, his answer to who he was is, quote, we are one with the universe, not the universe alone. We are the divine universe, yes, and the God being, and the greater wisdom. And I'll leave it at that because it's very profound to know what that information source is. So in terms of COVID, there are two books that we, um, Carol channeled, and um, we wrote together, the three of us, titled The Likely Future. And these are both on COVID and how to handle the pandemic. And we were in the midst of writing the larger book, Do Unto Earth, when Pax, and we always say this with a bit of a laugh, Robert, that Pax interrupted our usual program to bring us some information about the <laughs> coronavirus. So we were in the middle of writing the other book, which is extremely important and exciting. And then these um, two smaller books came forth of the likely future. So to distill what's really important for your listeners, here it is. One thing is, and this is according to Pax, that the virus inserts into the cells of the body something called anemones, A-N-E-N-O-M-I-E-S. Anemones are latent buds that go dormant and rebloom. So the blooming is the sickness experience of those symptoms. But then once someone has finished experiencing the sickness of the virus, it is not gone or eradicated from their body. It simply is dormant and goes into a state of dormancy, you would say a remission rather than a cure. So every now and again, just starting to, we've heard these reports from people around the world, maybe two or three people have popped up around the world who say that they've now caught coronavirus for the second time. So it's starting already, this reblooming. And according to PACS, it is not that they have caught the virus again, 
but that it had never left their body. So this is extremely important for all of us to understand and for scientists and doctors to understand because without this understanding, there's something majorly missing in how to treat this virus and what type of vaccines will be successful. The other thing that Pax wanted us to know about the virus is that it is affected and made uh, more um, serious and more deadly by two hormones. One is fear hormones, such as those found in animals in captivity. And we hear the, the reports of tremendous outbreaks in meat processing plants. And those are uh, meat processing is just a nice way of saying slaughterhouses. So when the animals are in fear, it is um, inflaming the situation. So while humans brought the virus into these facilities, once it's contaminated to the animals, and we know there's cross-contamination between humans and animals, that's a given with the virus, it's contaminated to the animals. Now that fear hormone makes it spread just like wildfire in these meat processing plants, and then of course back to the humans. So that explains that, and it's very important for us to know. And the second hormone that affects the virus is the growth hormone. The growth hormones such as found in children and pregnant women, so the incubation of a new life is also um, a hormone that is um, affecting the virus that makes it worse and more contagious and more deadly. And then the other, there's many things in these books, but we, we know that we only have so much time with you and we really want to impart your listeners with some key information. The other thing that is really important is, of course, the cure and what will be the final end to the virus. So PAC says that while we are developing these vaccines, they, you know, might be a vaccine for a certain strain of the virus. So as the virus has mm-hmm. um, mutated in the bodies and spread around the world, it has mutated into many different strains. So what we, what our scientists need to do, according to Pax, is to look at the old drugs that were used on polio, the disease that we don't have anymore because it's been eradicated, but the drugs that were found to be successful, that, that the direct phrasing is that entered into trials at that time and were found to have an excess, a successful effect on polio, the polio reduction methods, and for our doctors and scientists to look to that. So those are just some of the key points about the virus that we think is really important to get out there. Wow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, it, it certainly has um, shaken the world up. <laughs> you know, it, it's gonna, it's a whole a whole new world. It it, it just um, it just makes you wonder what the global consciousness, the change to global consciousness that this will have. You know, I mean, there are just so many different ways that it could impact it. Um, anyway, it just makes you wonder what its impact will be. Richard, we have another book. We have a, we have another small book channeled from PAX called Personal Power Will End the Pandemic. Your listeners might be interested in checking out as well. And it's, uh, again, PAX's message about self-empowerment and the ability to move above and beyond challenges uh, such as this and how to get there. There is hope. Great. I'm really glad to hear that. We're we're about halfway through the show, so I want to take just a quick break. And I do want to invite listeners, if you would like to call in and ask Penelope or Carol any questions, you can call in at 619-789-4359. And for those listening live in the chat room, if you have any questions, feel free to type them in there. Um, And then when we come 
back from break. Um, the subtitle um, of, your, of your book or, or the, the last part of the title of the book is It's Not Too Late. So I want to talk a little bit about that um, and uh, so we can maybe pump up some hope in some folks, okay? So everyone stay tuned. We'll be right back after this brief break. Hello, this is Robert Sharp. I want to thank you for joining us and hope that you are enjoying today's show. Just a reminder that we have a wealth of information and resources available on our website, byteradio.me. There is a calendar of upcoming shows along with an archive link that will give you access to more than 1,400 shows we have had over the past nine years. Also on the site is a link to the products and services we provide, books, photography, a wellness store, and self-publishing assistance. Our show is a free podcast on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. And you can subscribe for free on any of those platforms by using the links on our website homepage. We are on many social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. And we also have buttons to those platforms at the top of our home page. Our website, byteradio.me, has much for you to explore and enjoy. I also very much appreciate you supporting our guests, and especially today's guest. And now, back to the show. Okay, everyone, thank you for staying with us again today. My special guests are Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene Borgens, and we're talking about their new book, Do Unto Earth, It's Not Too Late. Um, again, you, you can find out more by visiting the website, which is paxwisdom.com. That's P-A-X-Wisdom.com. And more information about Carol at carolsereneborgans.com. And information about Penelope at penelopejeanhayes.com. So there, everyone's got your 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 digits <laughs> or your letters at least. Uh, thanks for staying with me, Penelope and Carol. Thank, Thank you. you. Great. So, um, Again, the the last part the last part of the title of your book, "It's Not Too Late," um, obviously indicates that it isn't too late to help <laughs> the Earth. Um, so, can you tell us, first of all, um, what does what's the Pax's perspective of how the, the the people who are denying the you know the climate change that the, the Earth is in trouble? What, what 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 do you have to say to someone who thinks that's a bunch of who? <laughs> right. And I actually asked that exact question. So uh, my question was that some people believe that the Earth just goes through cycles and that this warming period is just part of the natural cycles that the Earth goes through. So the answer from Pax was that indeed the Earth does go through cycles. And if you continue on that conversation, what we talk about is that if you saw a chart of the Earth cycles over many, many thousands of years, you would see waves that go up and down like that, waves up and down. And then all of a sudden in our time period right now, that goes up and up and up like you would see Mount Everest next to a molehill 
and that there's no end in sight. It still hasn't reached its plateau. So this is not a natural cycle. Pax clearly says that this is anthropogenic climate change, which means man-made climate change, and that it is caused by our, our ways of polluting our environment, but also seeing that everything stems from intention. It's our intention to not be stewards of our planet. He has a lot to say about it. He's not impressed. Right, Carol? (laughs) (laughs) He is less than impressed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it is crazy, you know. And see, the thing is, you know, when this COVID thing happened and we saw examples, you know, very clear examples of the impact, like, you know, being able to see fish in the, the canals of Venice, and you know, and yeah. you can see, you know, the sky in, in Beijing, and you know, all those yeah. things. I mean, which you know, which were clear. I mean, it was like. I don't think if you could ever stage, you know, a wake up, you know, I'm <laughs> Earth here kind of a situation, and um, I, I'm hoping that you know that that will have a, an effect, you know, and that we don't swing back. The pendulum doesn't swing back all the way, you know, to to where it, you know, who was before. But but um, so now you um, part of the pollution problem also is. Uh, Plastics, and um, I have a very good friend uh, who um, is a very much environmentally aware, and she wrote a book, children's book, about uh, plastics. You know, with Sully the seagull, and you know, kind of, and his friends, you know, choking on plastics. You know, I mean, it wasn't, but I mean, it's a children's book that you know, yeah. kind of raise awareness. Um, but um, and and also, um, you know, the idea of a great Pacific garbage. Patch. Yeah. Um, I had the guy on who who discovered that. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, anyway, he was captain. I can't remember the captain's name, but anyway, he was the one who discovered that, and, and that was so many years ago, and yet we're we're still there. So, um, any any um, insight into that particular? Yeah, we, we talk very specifically. We talk specifically about the garbage patch and plastic to great extent, including. Pax gives us the uh, the answer, Robert. <laughs> so it's all here. So the the plastic problem. First of all, it's important for people to understand what plastic is. It's crude oil that's been manufactured into these forever chemicals. So they don't break down. They're everywhere now. They weren't present before the industrial revolution. We used to use glass bottles and went to plastic. There wasn't plastic, and we managed to survive. We managed to live. So. Now, all of a sudden, in a very short period of time, we have all of these products around that just don't go anywhere. They don't break down. There's nowhere to put them, so they end up in the oceans and in the landfills. Even our carpet is made out of plastic. A lot of people don't realize that. That's what carpet is, as are polyester clothes. So it's everywhere. And it's good to start becoming mindful of just how much plastic we use because we, the consumer, will drive this industry with our awareness. But PAX gives us these, this answer as a solution. He says that everything we're making out of plastic, crude oil, can be made out of hemp cellulose, the cellulose of hemp. So whether that Hmm. be, you know, some of the more pliable plastics, you know, the saran wraps, the plastic wraps, to harder plastics, car parts, you know, parts of your computer, that all of that can be made from hemp cellulose and for different um, strengths and variations of that consistency, 
we can add other plant fibers. And all of these things do break down. So there's a, a billion dollar idea, how about that one? And, you know, when I heard this, when I, not only is it awful for the environment and there's nowhere to put it and there's no real great way to recycle it, if you know a whole lot about how they recycle plastics, it's not the answer. Mm -hmm. But in addition yeah, to that, yeah. it's poison. So plastic off-gasses, off-gasses, toxins into our environment, into our homes. We're breathing it as we sit in our homes where all the pipes are made out of PVC, off-gassing from our coaches. So, and then it's in contact with our food. So you think about the absolutely asinine way that we have, um, you know, begun living in the last 60 plus years that we didn't before, very unconsciously, right? You know, this is such right. an unconscious way to live because if we put any thought into this at all, you know, five seconds worth of thought, we would realize that this just doesn't make any sense. So we have to right. re-engage, become part of the system again, and not just ignore where stuff goes. It gets taken away in the garbage, and we never see it again. So there's a disconnection in the chain that allows us, good people, to be unconscious. Yeah, we certainly do need um, those alternatives, you know, because it's just um, it's just crazy. And, and uh the name of that captain, I remember it as Charles Moore, Captain Charles Moore, but who discovered it? But, but uh, yeah, we're seeing more and more, uh, and, yeah, and, and it's um, getting, uh, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you have a book out there that says it's not too late, <laughs> you know, because a lot of times what we see around, um, it just has that sometimes that appearance that it is. Um, mm -hmm. Now, uh, what about? Um, Dark, you know, you kind of mentioned it earlier. We were talking about energies and 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 that you know, kind of light energy and then dark energy. So, um, do we have, um, you know, is, is this just one of those? Do we have to have dark energy? I mean, is if it says light, does it have to be dark? Well, I mean, is it we, one of those you know, that require the other to know itself. <laughs> yeah, that's a well. It's a popular way of thinking of it for sure, but also. You know, do we have to anything? It's a choice. So we're creating dark energy by our actions and our intentions. So in this case, we're talking about dark energy being, you know, the, the negative, the heavy influences. And we are creating that with our, um, our actions and our intentions. So it's not just a physical thing, pollution, but there's an energy involved. And it's a contagious energy. And we see the blase way that we have treated Mother Earth and the attitude that we've taken or the ability to somehow dismember from that process to be indifferent to the wellness of mother earth to the animals of this planet to each other to even our neighbor and it's just um it creates a heaviness and a darkness but back to what you said regarding it's not too late being the subtitle of the book that's true and when you talked about you know the dolphins returning to the canals and venice and the greenhouse gases being um, actually measurably smaller over different areas of Asia and Australia during this time of the pandemic. That's a perfect example how within just a couple of months, if we wanted to, if we had the intention to, we could turn this around. It's very possible. And this book, Do Unto Earth, is just full of really exciting and enlightening advice from the divine wisdom source, from, you know, that spirit world wanting to tell us, look, 
this is this is a blueprint right here. We're giving you a gift. This is a blueprint for how you can turn it around. So it's not a book about the problems. It's not a depressing book about environmental problems. It's actually a really inspiring book where you're just like, wow, I can make a difference. We even have a section about the power of one and the power of each person to make a difference. And I know Carol also loves to talk about that. So I'll baton that to Carol to oh. talk about our ability to make a difference. I was going to say um, also it is a book of solutions. As Penelope was saying, it's not a book that itemizes the problems um, today. It does mention, uh, but also accompanied by solutions. And, yeah, one of PAX's greatest um, joys is in sharing with all of us that we have the power individually to make a difference in our own lives and to expand that to make a difference in our our village, in our entire planet, if we so choose. It's a matter of choice and intention and empowerment that we each have within us. We simply need to recognize it and allow it to be. And in so doing, uh, we can take up causes such as this one that's near and dear to our hearts, which is the repair of our environment and the preservation of Mother Earth. Everybody has that ability, um, we, even if it's another project, it, it matters not. Uh, the important part is for people to understand that they have an inner strength. Um, too often, for many reasons, people don't understand or don't allow themselves, don't mm-hmm. trust in themselves, and a uh, favorite word of Pax is, is trust. We are to trust in ourselves. So in so doing, if if we decide that we're going to be part of the solution um, to these problems uh, and take the advice and direction that's shown in the Do Unto Earth book, everyone has that ability, and um, they can be striking off on their own or joining as part of a group, a part of a team, but that's what it's going to take. It's going to take individuals at all level of government and private sector to come together with uh, the ideas and follow through. So we yeah. have the messages and uh, the solutions. That's, that's, that's a perfect uh, plan for to, to put out in front of people. Um, now, uh, Penelope, I have a question. You know, we were talking about, um, you know, the – energy contagion, uh, you know, the viral energy. Um, um, and, you know, and Carol was just talking talking about, you know, kind of having the power, the self-empowerment aspect. So mm-hmm. how does one um, kind of um, mm-hmm. guard, guard oneself against, you know, a viral contagion that is, you know, um, just negative or damaging or, just contrary to to our good health. Awareness is most of this, and I like to say deflector shields up. You know, to have awareness that we are we our energy field is permeable. So each one of us as a being has an energy field, and it's a permeable energy field. So you can just imagine it with all these little you know pricks in it that it is the semi permeable 
um, barrier, if you will, between our energy and the energy of everything else. So through just osmosis, which is the process by which molecules move from an area of high concentration to an area of low concentration, so a very passive process, simply through osmosis, we marinate in whatever environments we put ourselves in. So that awareness of, Mm -hmm. you know, how much Mm. negative news are we going to expose ourselves to, you know, what um, phone calls are we going to take from the friend who's, you know, just always a downer, always frantic. So to be there for other people, but (laughs) Mm -hmm. to also mitigate that this is a real thing. If it goes on chronically, it can lead to more serious things like depression. If you're in a chronic negative, you know, heavy energy for a period of time, so mitigating that through mindfulness and then making choices, taking action, making choices, you know, lightening your workspace. If you're working from home now, what can you do to make that environment, you know, feel lighter? And there are things you can do. And, you know, what can you do to take some time to, you know, even if it's 10 minutes to meditate or a 30-minute walk in nature, what can you do to balance? You know, dilution is the solution to pollution. What can you do to... <laughs> Get rid of some of the negative in order to have some balance in your life because you know what, Robert? It's important. It's not just this esoteric concept of, ooh, you know, I'm holding he- negative energy. I've been surrounded by negative energy. Uh-uh. That energy that is your being is your personal power, and your personal power is the fuel for everything that you create in this lifetime. So creating your family life creating your work, your vocation, the podcast that you're running right now. So that all comes from that place of personal power. So it's very important for us to be feeding ourselves and fueling ourselves, but also mitigating that heavy and trying to bring in more light in our world. Yeah, because it can can be – it can really be easy, actually, to – um, allow that to impact us because there's just so much um, right now. Yeah. And um, but but then you know you're right in in that we have the right of choice to be able to you know not you know not tune into that newscast ten times a day or not to you know be reading yeah. all of the feedback on Instagram or you know, all those kinds of things. But, um, yes, that's yeah, also what so, we're thinking. Um, you know, Carol was talking about the empowerment and also, you know, this power of one that Carol was speaking about, that each one of us has the ability to make a difference. Well, it goes beyond just, um, let's say, being part of Fridays for Future and standing alongside Greta Thunberg. If you're not wanting to do that, if that's not your cup of tea, simply by putting thought out into the world, out into the universe. So what thoughts are you holding? So that's also your responsibility and your opportunity to be the power of one to put thoughts. So these are now viral impacts. You asked about the viral energy in this mm-hmm. situation that in the context of what we're talking about, and that is that. So each one of us has the ability to put out light thoughts. And in Do Unto Earth, in the book, we talk about impact validates the idea of viral contemplation So global viral contemplation, which is if you can do nothing else, no matter how old you are, no matter if you're sick or healthy, no matter if you have money or you're poor, you can contemplate, which is, you know, meditate, it's whatever you want it to be. It's to ponder on something. You can contemplate for the wellness of Mother Earth, which is sending out positive energy vibrations, just thinking of visualizing the wellness of this planet. 
So you can contribute mm-hmm. to the whole, to raising consciousness, simply through your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot that we can do uh, for sure. Now, um, Carol, Pax kind of shook his energetic head when it came to us dealing with the earth. Um, what about, um, you know, other, you know, intergalactic, tell us about um, what Pax has to say about intergalactic others and you know, what are they thinking about this, this little planet that we're on right now? <laughs> well, um Penelope will have a lot to say about that, but I'd like to just begin by saying that um, he does, in fact, Pax does uh, wag his finger at us and, uh, <laughs> and you know, talk about shame, shame, what we're doing to the planet. The um, intergalactic visitors, the friendly visitors, as he refers to them, he also tells us that they are our ancestors, that we've been planted here, seeded here, and uh, they they are checking up on us. They want us to succeed. Um, they're not pleased with what they see um, because we're not certainly evolving uh, as we could be, and they do want to help us with that. Um, the reality is that um, they're, they're not ready uh, to make themselves known uh, at this time because probably they'd be greeted by um, a group of people with uh, rifles. Um, they are friendly and non-warring, and our population here is in fear of extraterrestrials and therefore uh, would be aggressive. So uh, that's why they're keeping their, their distance at the moment. But I'll turn it over to Penelope. She's got uh, much more on this. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. Um, it is a topic that is really exciting, and we do find out that it ties into the environment. And I actually at one point said to Pax, you know, I, why are we talking about aliens in a book about the environment? And it's all made clear that, as Carol said, they are our relatives. These are our ancient ancestors. They have invested and, um, well, I wouldn't say invested interest, but they're certainly invested in our well-being in our forward movement and they would like to lend um, wisdom and future technologies and they've tried that was the purpose of the roswell meeting and it was a planned meeting our u.s government knew about that meeting and welcomed them in and then when they got close they shot down one of the crafts there was eight crafts that arrived that day extraterrestrial crafts and one was shot down by the u.s government wanting to steal their technology and then they did, um, you know, they they still have at Area 51 parts of one of those vehicles. So there was, this is all according to PAX, there was a being who survived that crash for a period of time. And then there was testing on him and he eventually succumbed to his injuries and passed away. And so they learned their lesson um, then certainly that our people are devolved and not ready to work in harmony and we don't, come with that intention. We're not um, coming with the attention of peace as they do. So I ask Pax, you know, every time you mention ETs, you say friendly, you know, friendly ETs, friendly intergalactic visitors, you know, are they all friendly? And he said, yes, that they are all friendly. There is no such thing as an unfriendly ET. So that's just science fiction. And that they are friendly and they are the friendly ones and we are the ones that are polluting 
our environment, but we go beyond that. We pollute space. Tax mentions space junk and how every time we send up a rocket, and this is, you know, just to put up a satellite, you're sending one up. Well, so I'm saying it happens on the daily. And they discard their, um, the, what do they call the fuel? Um, yeah. The sections of fuel, the, um, they discard yeah, these into space and they just mm-hmm. leave them there. There's no, there's no other plan for them. They just leave them there and other space junk. So every time we go up into space, we're polluting space. And PAC says that this is not something that is compartmentalized and contained in your neighborhood of planet Earth. That when you do these things, when you set off like a nuclear bomb, for instance, any large event on planet Earth sends out shock waves of energy into the universe that is felt far and wide. So they are all aware of what we're doing and they're all, um, you know, waiting for us to evolve and wake up and standing at the ready to provide us the technology for interstellar travel at light speed. And it will be a no fuel solution and no fuel fuel tax says. So that's not a fuel that requires space to hold. So it's not liquid. Um, it's uh, energetic fuel. So there's so much information that PAX does actually give us. I I practically beg him in the book, well, tell us something. I know that we're not ready and we probably use it for, you know. um, So he holds back from telling, you know, the full recipe of the future fuels because we're not ready and in the wrong hands, you know, what we do with it. So he gives enough, though, that the scientists can follow the breadcrumbs, and those with good intentions have a lot of breadcrumbs and do unto Earth to to follow and to investigate, and it's really exciting. It really is. But these things are all tied into the wellness of planet Earth that, you know, you can't have one without the other. You know, you look at why we're talking about extraterrestrials while they're trying to help us, and what they're most concerned about is what we're doing to our planet and what we're doing to each other and he says that they buzz by to check on our civilization and that, the, you know, they don't see anything they're interested in. So they keep on, keep on going. And I said, well, what are they interested in? And he said, look at the word civilization and break it apart. They're interested in how civil you are being to each other and nothing more. They're not interested in your technology. It's absolutely archaic to them. They're interested to see if their seedlings have evolved They're looking for peace among us. And I think that there's another consideration that uh, we are now uh, sending people up to the moon. We're sending um, International Space Station uh, people to spend long periods of time. And I think they have a legitimate concern that we are going to continue our our polluting ways off-planet. Uh, and, and I think that they want to monitor that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, because when you look at when you look at how many, I mean, when I look at the um, illustrations of satellites around the Earth and the, the sheer number, and then you hear about, um, I think I can't remember who it was that's bringing up their Skylab thing where they're going hundreds, hundreds of more satellites, you know, and I'm thinking, yes. this is, I mean, there's only so much space in space, yeah. you know, and uh, 
<laughs> so anyway, my goodness. Well, guys, we're, we're just about out of time. So I want to, if um, you wouldn't mind, I'd like to get kind of closing statements from, from each of you. And let's just go ahead and we'll start with Carol. Um, any maybe final words you may want to say to the listeners about the book and what, what your hopes are for it? Oh, yes. Um, thank you very much. The book is a joy to read. It is a book that is filled with solutions, direction, affirmations, and information that help people to understand that each person can jump in in areas where where they resonate with them and start to make a difference in the um, repair of planet Earth and with a view to um, protecting further because we don't have infinite time to do that. The book will Mm. offer many, many different areas where people can find an interest and uh, join in, uh, in, in the way of protection. Right. Yes. Now we don't have an infinite time with it, but we do. But it's not too late. <laughs> so <laughs> two two important concepts. To have. Okay, I'm sorry. And Penelope, well, how about you? Yes, it's just um, in addition to that, it's such a fun read because there's a lot of you know every curiosity that I had, I asked, and it is in this book. So a lot of the questions that we have all wanted to know even stuff like, you know, the sunken continent of Atlantis, for example. So it's really fascinating. And Pac said that I can see the way to get to your people, to have them read what my wisdom is, is through their curiosity. So he knows us. He knows that it had to be a good and interesting book, and it absolutely is. So we want to tell you, to your listeners, this book is for you. This is not about myself. It's not about Carol. And it is a long love letter to you, to every person on this planet. So this is for you. Please get it. Do unto Earth. It's not too late. You can find all of that at PacWisdom.com. Yep. Curiosity and humor. You know, two things that I think uh, Pax recognizes is important. And those are two things that uh, I I certainly uh, think we should pursue as much as we can. So anyway, um, G, um, Penelope and, and Carol, thank you very much for your time. Um, it's really been thank a treat. I really enjoyed having you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. You're welcome. Again, everyone, today our, my special guests have been Penelope Jean Hayes and Carol Serene um, Borgens. We've been talking about their new book, Do Unto Earth. It's not too late. Uh, you can find out more by visiting the website, which is paxwisdom.com, and that's paxwisdom.com. So, everyone, I want to thank you for joining us for this edition of the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. And until we meet again, thank you for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bringing Inspiration to Earth Show. Remember, our show is available as a free podcast from Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. To follow our show, visit our homepage at ByteRadio.me and select the platform you use most. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ByteRadioMe. Until we meet again, remember to be a bright light by bringing inspiration to your world and to the lives of those you touch. 